Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Friday, February 10th. Coming up, everything you need to know ahead of the Super Bowl. Plus, we'll hear why one local religious group is spending millions on Super Bowl ads. But first, some headlines. A new report on the Kansas City Fire Department has found many employees experience racial and gender discrimination. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal reports. City Council ordered an investigation into discrimination at the fire department after a 2020 Kansas City Star report revealed problems with racism and sexism. The city investigation found women fear retaliation if they file harassment charges. Employees of color believe they have to conform to a standard of whiteness at the department. The report also said the KCFD unions prevent supervisors from holding bad employees accountable. Kansas City says it's taking seriously the claims of discrimination included in the report. Canadian oil company TC Energy says a bad weld is one reason the Keystone Pipeline erupted in north-central Kansas two months ago. Celia Yopis-Jepson of the Kansas News Service reports. TC Energy says a welding flaw led to a crack and eventually the, quote, instantaneous rupture in the Keystone Pipeline. The Kansas News Service is seeking more details through open records requests to the federal government. Workers are still cleaning the spill site in Washington County, which includes several acres of native prairie and cropland and more than three miles of a creek. Over the next month, TC Energy has to complete more investigation into the spill and the risks of additional bills. Allegations of embezzlement by a former employee of the Economic Development Corporation of Kansas City have attracted the attention of federal law enforcement authorities. The Midwest Newsroom's Steve Vakrat reports. The U.S. Marshals Service seized several banking and brokerage accounts belonging to Lee Brown. Brown used to oversee finances for the Economic Development Corporation, an agency that oversees certain tax breaks for development projects. But an investigation found that Brown lied about his professional background when he applied for his job. And while he was on the job, the EDC claims, Brown allegedly wired money belonging to the agency to bank accounts that he controlled. The EDC sued Brown, who died last year, in an effort to recoup any stolen money that's left. That effort may get some help from federal agents who also took control of two cars that were bought with allegedly stolen funds. The Kansas City Council has approved a new city flag. The new design features red and blue horizontal stripes with a white fountain logo in the center. Flag expert Ted Kay thinks the proposed design is much better than the previous flag because it's easier to read. He says the whole purpose of a flag is to signal at a distance. The current flag, with all of its white space, doesn't doesn't do that. And of course, you can't read the writing on it at any distance. Kansas City has changed flags five times since 1913. The previous design had red, white, and blue vertical stripes with a fountain logo and small text. We'll be back after this. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. 
This Sunday will be the Kansas City Chiefs' third visit to the Super Bowl in four years. Greg Eklund is in Glendale, Arizona, ahead of the face-off with the Philadelphia Eagles. KCUR's Sam Zeff asked him what he's seeing on the ground and what we can expect for the big game. I want to start with the injury report. There's been some concerns about who's going to play and who's not. What do we have this morning? Well, the most important is the quarterback with Patrick Mahomes suffering the high ankle sprain in the divisional round against Jacksonville. He played through it in the AFC championship game. His concern was whether or not he was going to potentially re-injure himself. That did not happen. And actually, he seems to be recovering very well. He says he won't know until game time how close to 100% he's going to be, but it seems to be progressing well. And I think we'll see a more mobile Patrick Mahomes, perhaps, than we did in the AFC Championship game. We're also looking at a couple of wide receivers who have had some limited practice, linebacker Willie Gay. Uh, How is that looking for Sunday? I think actually a promising on that end as well. Uh, Willie Gay spoke with reporters yesterday, and the other one on defense was uh, Legereus Sneed, who says he has cleared the concussion protocols. So I, I think actually going into this game physically, the Chiefs are in very good shape. Has Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes or any of the uh, plethora of Kansas City Chiefs players and Philadelphia Eagles players who've been talking to the media given given any hint about uh, what sort of game plan they have? The only thing about uh, the Chiefs part of it on defense is the fact that they know that Jalen Hurts has been bothered by a sore shoulder down the stretch of the regular season. So I'm sure they're probably going to dare him to throw long to see, one, if he can do it, and two, if he can accurately connect with his receivers downfield. Uh, I, I think overall, the Chiefs say, because they've played against quarterbacks who have the potential to run, they're well prepared for this. All right, that's the football aspect. Let's have some fun now. You're at Chiefs headquarters. Tell me what it feels like there. You seeing a lot of folks from KC? Oh, yes. Not just here, but in the downtown area, they have the big NFL event called the NFL Experience, which uh, will probably have a chance to see some of those type of activities when the NFL draft is held in Kansas City. And there's not just a, a, a presence with Kansas City fans outside the big media center in the convention center. There's a table that everybody will, in the media anyway, will pass by that says visit KC and has the dates of the NFL draft in Kansas City. So Kansas City, uh, from the city standpoint, is promoting itself in that regard. And then there are also a lot of fans, and they were quite vocal on Super Bowl opening night when that was in the same arena that the Phoenix Suns play their home games. Now, uh, Greg, you know that I uh, worked in Philadelphia for 17 years. I know a lot about the Philadelphia Eagles, more specifically about Philadelphia Eagles fans. How are they behaving there? So far, so good. I I have not heard any uh, mischief. And, you know, these are the fans that maybe you were there, Sam, when they booed Santa Claus. But uh, they seem to be on their best behavior so far. Nobody greasing any poles there in Arizona? (laughs) No, it's funny. I've been asked about that. You know, I, I think if there are any poles to be greased, it would be done in Philly and not down here in the uh, Glendale, Scottsdale, Phoenix area. 
Greg, a lot of famous people show up at the Super Bowl. The one I'm wondering about, have you seen that Henry Winkler? I have not seen Henry Winkler, but uh, if there's anything connected with the Chiefs, that's where I would expect to see Henry Winkler, given the uh, publicity that he has received about being a big Patrick Mahomes fan. You're in the desert, Greg. How's the weather? You know, on my way to the 8 a.m. news conference, uh, local time, I woke up and drove into the sunrise that was not quite above the beautiful mountains on the horizon of the Phoenix area. Greg Eklund in Scottsdale, Arizona for KCUR ahead of Super Bowl 57. Greg, good to talk to you. Thanks, Sam. That was KCUR's Sam Zeff and Greg Eklund. Something else you might see this Super Bowl Sunday, between all the ads for cars, beer, and salty snacks, is a commercial intended to rebrand Jesus. An Overland Park Foundation is spending $20 million on a campaign called He Gets Us, portraying Jesus as just as human as the rest of us. KCUR's Peggy Lowe reports. The video opens with a young black man in sunglasses dodging cameras. There was an influencer who became insanely popular Everybody started following him. The scene looks straight out of a 2020 Black Lives Matter protest. Then a photo comes up of a young man hugging a white police officer, and it says one day he stood up for something he believed in. People got angry. The establishment called him an extremist. They would stop at nothing to shut him up, the video says. Then these words flash on screen. Jesus was canceled. So they did what they had to do. They nailed him to a cross. That's just one of many videos that are part of a billion-dollar ad campaign called He Gets Us. It's funded by a once-quiet nonprofit in Overland Park named The Signatree. This Sunday, the He Gets Us campaign will air two ads during the Super Bowl. It's spending $20 million to spread the brand of Jesus as a guy who had empathy for the poor, was an activist, or who was just as sick of politics as the rest of us. So this is the rebranding of Christ as a revolutionary. Gerard Tellis is a marketing professor at the University of Southern California Marshall School of Business. You may have already seen some of the ads. They've been broadcast since last year during big TV sporting events. And Tellis says there's a reason for that. The campaign's target audience is younger people who have more liberal views and who often watch a lot of sports. Actually, the brand of Jesus performs very well among the American people. Jason Vanderground is president of one of the marketing companies who created the campaign. It's that his brand has become associated with some of these other things. Those other things is what this is all about. It started two years ago with a question. It was a very troubling question, and it said, how did the world's greatest love story become known as a hate group? But the campaign faces another troubling question. Just who is paying for it? So far, the only donor who has claimed ownership is Hobby Lobby founder and CEO David Green, who is outspoken about his conservative beliefs, like his stance against abortion. Green talked about the He Gets Us campaign in November to Glenn Beck, the conservative TV and radio host, wondering why Christians are seen, quote, as the haters. So we're wanting to say, we being a lot of different people, that he gets us. He understands all of us. He hates who he loves, who we hate. And so I think we have to let the public know and, and, and create a movement, really. 
other donors to the signatory want to remain anonymous. So we don't know about all of the funders, but we do know where a lot of that money goes. According to Signatory's IRS filings, it gave $51 million to the National Christian Foundation, the nation's largest Christian charity. Another $48 million went to Every Home for Christ, an international missionary organization. There's also lots of smaller grants, individual churches, and some anti-abortion groups. But non-sectarian groups also got grants, like Children's Mercy Hospital and the Kansas City Symphony. Yeah, there's uh, two things I've written about, and I teach uh, my students of advertising. And this campaign is following them uh, very uh, well. Tell us, the marketing professor says those two things are, first, an ad must tell a story, and second, it should be controversial. But will people connect with the Bible readings and churches the campaign offers? Tell us doesn't think so. Because when these people go to these conservative places and hear the homilies, they'll be turned off. And they won't go a second time. But tell that to Vanderground, the marketing man behind the ads. With that many eyeballs and dollars at stake at the Super Bowl, he just wants the biggest audience. So he's praying for a close, competitive game. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Peggy Lowe. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Greg's coverage of the Super Bowl and Peggy's story about the He Gets Us campaign, visit KCUR.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.